Hey, hello, everybody. This is uh, Chris with uh, Mapping Tech and Public Safety. And again, I'm joined by Steve and Pete Hanna as our third wheel for this this week. And this is the uh, third day of the uh, virtual summit for ESRI. And we before the the conference or before this uh, podcast recording, we were all kind of commenting, man, we're still kind of wiped out from going to all these classes and stuff like we were actually there. And I think uh, one of the advantages uh, of this virtual environment is we can kind of jam a bunch of things together. So I think, uh, I think probably between the three of us, we probably collectively went to about 25 or 30 different sessions of various kinds. And so it's, it's pretty cool, but now we're getting kind of filled up and pretty tired and stuff. So let's we'll kind of do a round robin and stuff. Let's start with uh, Pete and stuff. Like what are some of the things he did today? And then some of the things he thought was interesting about public safety and then bounce it off to Steve and I'll kind of finish up. Yeah, I started the day off with a class from a couple of days ago uh, on LIDAR, and I thought it was really interesting. It all, it was focused mainly on the, the outside environment, but mm -hmm. definitely it's going to be powerful when it transverses into the indoor space, especially for pre-planning and yeah. 3D model for the indoor environment. I looked at, based off of Steve's recommendation, the Arc Pro editing templates and that group templates, that was pretty powerful. I think we talked again, trying to figure out how it's applicable for public safety. But then I did a yeah. lot of public safety user presentations. I looked at uh, Placer, Placer County Sheriff's Office. They support a lot of wildland fire, I guess, from law enforcement side of the house. And I, and I thought of Vanessa from the National uh, Parks with her BAM Big A map. They, they created... You can say ass. Okay, big ass map. They, they created these big... They used uh, the map series to create these big maps that they can take out into the field. And they designed them. It was really cool. But then the exact same map is transferable into the Incident Command Center or, and their ECC or... And they use it with the web uh, when they're in a connected environment. That was pretty cool. cool. And then Anaheim hey. Fire had a really good presentation about how they're using uh, GIS in the field and yeah. uh, for decision making. Hey, hey, jumping back to LiDAR, can you can you explain to us what LiDAR is and then like how it would relate to, you know, public safety in terms of like what, what it's used for? What is it? I, mean, I always have to look up what it stands for even and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, LI for LIDAR, like is the light. And then mm -hmm. uh, D is, uh, I think, uh, detection so and yeah, range. Yeah. Right? So basically what it is, is a laser, and you don't see my air quotes there. It's shooting out lasers and creating a point cloud of the environment you're in, right? And so back in the day, this was massive device on an airplane that they flew when they flew ortho imagery mm -hmm. and it would give you a uh, point density for your landscape and your buildings and stuff but these devices are getting smaller and smaller now and rumor has it that it's going to be on the new iphones coming out in iphone 12 and and you'll be able to take it into an indoor environment and shoot those so the class that i watched had uh, geoprocessing tools that allowed you to reclassify the LIDAR points. So in the example, it was all outdoors with buildings. You could reclassify the ground. You could reclassify mm -hmm. the, the roof structures. And, and it gives you an overlay of, of what it looks like. And, it, and if 
you have ortho imagery at the same time, you can actually color code it or reclassify the colors. So now your point clouds are, are a 3D model that looks like what it should look like, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah it, cool. it, it's pretty cool. Pete and I have been working on this indoor mapping project with the Nest, and, and right now they have a prototype backpack that you wear with a, a spinny disc or a spinny cylinder on top that shoots a laser and basically just collects pixels wherever you go. So if you're walking through a, a space or a room, it just it's collecting the distance and then, then the color of that pixel, and it's like basically a 3D TV that you're walking through. And what's kind of neat about it is, is, and we'll have to post it on the website, but there's a really cool picture of me with augmented reality glasses in this, this point cloud where you're basically taking a controller and spinning the building around in 3D. And actually the collection of that is pretty simple. I mean, there's a long, long way to go, but I think it's uh, real intriguing to, to do. I, you know, the, the t- tough part is I think it's pretty awesome from a tech perspective. And I mean, we all talk about it where, Pre-plan wise, it's going to, you still need to render that in a simple usable format. So I think the, the challenge is going to be information management, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty technology. Oh, I think, I think it's super powerful. I mean, yeah. think about if you could do a LiDAR 3D rendered building and now you bring it into an augmented reality. Yeah. You can do training. You can fill that room with smoke. You don't actually yeah. have to bring cadets or, or trainees into an LDI, uh, IDLH, sorry, and, and expose them or potentially injure them. You can start them off slow and get them acclimated to sensory overloads and stuff like that uh, instead of just bringing them into a burn building and, and like start them off slow or even do scenarios with guys yeah. in the field. I've seen a couple of incidents where I'm like thinking to myself, I'm Monday morning quarterback in it though, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, that's a basement fire. And then they don't figure that out until later on in the incident. But like, but you could take that evolution and transfer it into a training and augmented reality and have the people actually there with a 3d building. It it could be really, really, really powerful. I'm telling you, I still, I still have this vision of a heads up display inside a mask. Pete and I, we were talking about Chris too, about the augmented reality and, and LiDAR coming to the new iPhones in September or rumored to come to the new iPhones, which they probably are. They came out on the iPads. And now there's a lot of rumors of the, these new Apple glasses that'll have a little projector on the inside of the arm of the glass that'll project to the lens of your glasses. So my point is, is really what could, I, I could just, I have this vision of, you wouldn't be able to wear glasses with a mask on because you wouldn't have the seal but, you know, like an inset of glasses inside your mask and projecting into the mask. And now, you know, along with indoor mapping and, and LiDAR. Well, it's not only that, too. Now, what about tracking and yeah, positioning, absolutely. right? So yeah. now you can see you could turn around and have an augmented reality. Like how many times have you been in a fire and you don't know where anybody is in the right. building? No. Or you're just you're, all you hear is... Yeah. And behind yeah. you, right? So yeah, the right. Darth Vader. I, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, well, Grant, I mean, but... Chris and I have talked about this and on other episodes. And I, you know, within a few years, I, I could really see this happening. I yeah, think I, so. Yeah. I, think, I think the big thing is obviously going to be cost and, and functionality. Yeah. Like, I, I almost feel like 
like with, with smart buildings and smart cities coming along as well. And as you yeah. get more sensors, people are connected. You have an iPhone. Like if you, if you're connected to the network, then you know who's in the building. You could find them. Like that positioning, like that could be an augmented reality for rescuers or even in an active shooter scenario, knowing where the people are that's inside the building. And, yeah. and okay, there's a, a group of 20 huddled over here. Now they're either hostages or they're hiding out. Right. right. So, yeah. so if you knew that, that's information. That's powerful, right? And that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, definitely. I said that yesterday, I guess. But let's get back to the conference a little bit. So, Chris, what did you see today? Yeah, I kind of focused just on tech today. So, you know, it's it's kind of weird because every year Esri comes out with something new or different. And, you know, I've said this every year. Oh, this is pretty cool. I want to try it out and. You know, about two-thirds of the time, it, yeah, it's pretty slick. And about the other third of the time, it's like, I can't do it because I don't have the licensing or I can't yeah. do it because <laughs> it doesn't go far enough or it's not what I expected. But two-thirds is still great, you know. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking it at all. So, I, I, I kind of focused on ArcGIS Online today and then also just some ArcGIS Pro stuff like label expression stuff. I think that the cool thing is that there's a new map viewer within ArcGIS Online that, that I, I saw. I knew it was there. I would play with it a little bit. But since I, I didn't see any additional functionality, to me, it just looked like a, a rearrangement of the existing menu. So I go, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't see it yet. So, but it actually is a lot more powerful. And, and so the neat thing or interesting thing with it is, is that you could use it now and it, it goes back and forth between the old web map version, the new web, the new beta version. You could, you can cross back and forth. I think the, the challenge with the beta version is that you, you can't add certain, I think it's raster layers if I recall right. So, you know, they have to still add that to the functionality of it. But once that's done, it, it'll be, it'll replace the existing uh, web map application within ArcGIS Online. Some other things are like setting up hosted feature services, best practices. And so there's some little tweaks uh, that I didn't know, know or know. For example, there's some caching control that you can set up that I, I really never messed with at all. And so I'm going to learn more about that. And then layer views, which I, I've used quite a bit, but in the new web map version, you actually can set more granular control over like the definition. So for, for example, what a, a layer view is, is basically just a view of an existing feature service or feature layer that ha that you can change the settings on based on a variety of criteria is like the type of features you want to show the extent of the feature, uh, et cetera. So you basically, it's basically just copying or creating a copy of that, the view state of that layer and tweaking it in such a way that, and usually it's, it's probably good to, for example, if you're showing a, a layer on the public that you don't want people to edit, that's a, a good way of doing that. You can disable the editing on that. Yeah. Totally. So I, so I, I thought there was uh, some pretty neat things. Then also, the final thing is I actually, always, Chris. Can I can I jump in one? I just want to yeah. say that for anybody listening, you know, if you work for an agency or a company where, like Chris said, you get all hyped up about this stuff and find out that you don't have the licensing. I personally have the Esri personal license, which is only a hundred dollars a year. Yeah, and doesn't give you everything, but it gives you a lot. And you know, Pete, you told us about the data reviewer. 
I wasn't sure if I had the licensing for that. I looked in, in ArcGIS Pro, and sure enough, I have that. So that's something I can check out. They, they did show some workflows, though, where it was with SDE, editing with SDE and versioning, which obviously I don't have that. So, But my point is with the personal license at $100 a year, you, you get quite a bit and can try out some of these things. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think my two-thirds, one-third remark, I, I, I was playing with drawing the map today too. And so that's where I, that's where it drove down that one-third. I, I said, oh, I thought you could get drawn to map. I was part of Pro and it's not. So in reality, if I were to redo the map minus that, it's probably like, you know, closer to seven-eighths of the stuff I already have. But <laughs> I was getting excited for drawing the map because I was getting ready to like check it out. And I, I realized ah, I don't I don't have any of the resources for that one. So I don't have a drone, but I want one. <laughs> I want to do drone to map. <laughs> yeah, my my wife's got a drone for the class she teaches, and I'm gonna think about seeing them if I can get them to do me some work. But uh, Pete, road trip. <laughs> yeah, road trip. <laughs> I get yeah, yeah, come out to the island, man. So so anyway, it's mostly tech stuff today. Drone to map, and then I haven't finished it yet. I'll probably talk more about it tomorrow. But there's one of the things that I love about the conference is, is trying to pick the classes that aren't technology centered, but like cartography standard. And so there's a very good class that I'm still going through of, of it's a long, it's, it's kind of weird because it's, it's it, they probably should rename it, but it's like ArcGIS online best practices to display your web map, given the right kind of day. It was a long name. And I think Steve was asking and he had to write it down three times before we got it right. So they could, probably renamed the class a little bit, but it was, it was a, it's a, just a flat straight cartography class. Like how can you, I mean, not straight cartography, but you know, like take some of the new functionality in, in the web map viewer for the beta and classify it in a very usable way. But they touched about, touched off good. My symbology side of me got kind of into it. And some of it, it was me arguing with myself a little bit about whether I've done, made good symbology decisions type things. So. So, and and just so the audience knows, Chris argues with himself a lot. I do. So. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and, the, and the the name of that online class was the use map styles to define your web map purposes. So it is a long on, title. Go <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, and actually, like, Pete, I, I don't know if we mentioned it yesterday, but why don't you talk a little bit about what you had seen with bringing in your web maps directly into pro and you can modify the symbology everything there you were saying yeah 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 when you develop when you have a web map and you have it connected to apps and everything you can just bring it right into pro you can edit the data you can change the symbology they have new functionality now that you can save the web map directly from pro once it's saved and now it's referenced and updates all your apps, all your dashboards, everything that that web map is part of is now updated. And so, you're doing that right in pro without having to republish. Right in pro, no yeah, republishing. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, is that available now or is that what coming with the update? I think that's what the, the new update, I think, is what they were saying. I will have to find out more info and see when that's coming out. Yeah. Speaking of cartography, Chris, you, you got to be happy that in one of the new versions are coming out with the eyedropper tool. Yeah. Did you see that? I, I, I think I saw little bits and pieces, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty 
jazzed about that. I used to love the eyedropper tool in ArcMap. So. Yeah. And I, I end up, what I end up doing is using, oh shoot. Well, I, I do a color picker either. I got a color picker on my browser and it's an extension for that. And also I'll do, I'll do a screenshot of something, bring it into paint.net and do the color picker on that. Right. <laughs> get the color on, on that. So well, what so. they said with the new eyedropper tool, like you can, you don't have to copy and paste. You can just do it right from the tool. So oh, that's cool. So that's going to be really powerful. Like yeah. there's no more like, did, did that say 255? <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to do it for you. So yeah. that'll be awesome. Yeah. I've gotten pretty good at the RGB spectrum a little bit and stuff. Matter of fact, I'm going to start categorizing everything in the, in the three, di in the, in, in nine digits there, the nine digits total. There you go. So yeah, one of the other things we talked about was, and, and I, part of the challenge with this conference is, and Esri's kind of noted for like having a ton of, hey, we're releasing this application, we're releasing this application, and you're going to go, okay, what's that for? What's this for? And then, you know, you get a lot of app confusion. And I think one of the big questions is, and may, maybe somebody could, I, I think I know the answer, but we had an argument today is, question is experience builder, does it replace web app builder or does it replace hub? <laughs> and we're going to like do a round robin, discuss. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I watched the Experience Builder session. Very cool stuff. And yeah. when I was looking at it, you know, the first thing I thought of was Hub. You're building a website with, you know, you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say a website. You're building a web page with maps and information. You could put in counters, you know, essentially, well, the woman put together a COVID map. So yeah. she had uh, sums of the totals of her data for active cases, death, you know, confirmed, that type of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then she had put in a section where it was just some like general information. She put in another section with Twitter feeds. It's very nice application. I, I played around with Hub and don't get me wrong. Hub is pretty self-intuitive. I found this even more self-intuitive yeah. and I, as I was explaining to you guys earlier, but for the audience, you know, you can stretch your, say your map, you know, the box with your map in it and you could stretch it across four tiles on your screen and then you, you could shrink it or expand it vertically and horizontally. You could, you know, set padding. So if it's not directly centered based on some other stuff, you could kind of like nudge it over to the right to align it better and when the woman was done it, it reminded me of a, an ArcGIS hub page but with that said there was also like she brought in a drop down list with all the countries with COVID cases you know the, the number of COVID cases you know so then it started looking like an ops dashboard map as well so yeah that's why we were discussing well, what's it replacing maybe it's not replacing anything I'm going to settle the argument right now Went to the Google machine, uh, <laughs> frequent asked questions for ArcGIS Experience Builder. Question number one, will Experience Builder replace Web App Builder? No, Experience Builder will not replace or obsolete Web App Builder. Both builders will be running and maintained in parallel. Web App Builder will continue to be available. 
Okay, I'll call BS on that one. You know, I, I, I heard a similar statement about six years ago when ArcGIS Pro came out. That it was exactly going to replace desktop. It's going to replace web maps or, or MXDs and Arc Map. And guess where that's at? Yeah, that's true. And they said, they said in the conference that Arc Map is going to be supported for the next six years. And never say never. <laughs> I, I think they have to just because there's all these business partners and vendors that and people that develop toolbars and all Absolutely. that stuff. So I'm sure that's the case. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, one of the side gigs I do, they, 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 they're kind of stuck with it for a while, but it's just like, but I, I think the more cloud-based solutions will, will, they'll be able to kill it sooner. For example, I think the one AGOL thing that I went to the road ahead because oh, if I remember right, I didn't write it down, but web app builder is based in JavaScript three dot something and web experience builder is, or experience builder is built on four dot something and, and ArcGIS web builders three dot something. And they're not going past that for web app builder. So I'm sure eventually it's going to, so I, I and you can see the widgets are the same. So when they get the same number of widgets in Web App Builder or in uh, Experience, then they'll probably because they did say they did say you'll have to rebuild it your app from Web App Builder into Experience. So yeah, it says nothing can be transferable between the yeah. two. Yeah. So it's two separate. So I, but I think I think you're right. I think it, it one will make the the other obsolete uh, eventually. So. <laughs> Do you think at Esri that there's some guy in some other team that goes, you son of a god, I just worked, worked five years on this and stuff, and you're killing this thing. <laughs> I think so, man. I like there's there's times that I think like Esri is just like any other public safety agencies where they yeah. don't ever talk to each other. It's like, <laughs> hey, wouldn't it be cool if indoors and LIDAR got together and they and they marry these two things? Nope, no, nope, <laughs> they don't talk. I wonder like, they moved my office to the basement. I was wondering what the heck was going on. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna move you and your stapler to Building Z. What? <laughs> I, I'm just assuming. I don't know. I, 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 I we love I know, it. We're we're joking. We're assuming something, but if we're accidentally right, don't hold us in responsible. Well, what, one of the other things I checked out today was Survey One Two Three. I forget the exact name of it, but they showed essentially it was the demo was about using Excel to customize your survey one, two, three. I want you to connect. Yeah. 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 And, you know, quite a bit of it I knew, but let me tell you, there was a lot of functionality that they had, or I'm sorry, put together in the Excel spreadsheet that I wasn't aware of that's like very cool. Yeah. Um, They were setting up a form where, Somebody had to put in their name, their email, their phone number, and a reservation, and then eventually how many tables you needed. And one of the things they put in there was, you know, making sure that the email address was correct. So initially they put like Philip at Philip, and when they submitted it, it came up as an error, and they had to go back and put Philip at ESRI.com. Even the same thing for the phone number, making sure that the phone number was you know, the area code dash and, and then the other seven numbers with, with a oh, dash in between. Mask, yeah. So 
Well, I said just some cool functionality that I just wasn't even aware of. We tend to like, and this is for the audience, we tend to geek around with like pro and, you know, some of the nitty gritty and stuff. But if I were to like pick like the two main apps a, de a department should focus on would be Survey123 and Quick Capture. And in that order, I think Survey123 has so many applications, even more than Collector, to be honest with you. Because survey, what Survey123 is, is it's a form-based collection tool. And you basically customize a form. And we'll, when we get to it, we'll put links somewhere. But if you just Google Survey123, it, it's, it's good enough. But you could do things like, like hydrant inspections or risk assessments or damage assessments. And any, any, basically any form you have in your department you can convert that. It doesn't even have to be geographically based. You, you could be collecting training training forms, you know, even though, it, yeah. or, you know, I did one once just to play with uh, an apparatus check sheet. And, you know, I was floating the idea of putting QR codes inside our compartments and you scan the QR code and you would just check off if that, it would populate a list and you would check off, well, what are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> so, I like it. <laughs> just because some firemen do their job. <laughs> Chris has yeah. everything labeled on the apparatus. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, like, how many times? No, I, I you, like were, you were EMS. How many times did you get in a jackpot because you're missing equipment? Well, on your, yeah, I know. You know uh, what I mean? yeah, where's, <laughs> where's the morphine? Oh, son of a gun. <laughs> Sign that you could sign it. You could have a survey one, two, three where you signed it every day. That's right. Oh, oh absolutely. And you could actually drugs. do a signature on survey one, two, three. So you'd have a record of so anyway. Absolutely. Bottom line bottom line is there's like a, a, a ton of things it, that you can do that would be labor saving in the long run. I, I, I did one when I was in I was quarantined with the COVID deal at first. You know, I actually created a survey exposure form in survey one two three and, they, and then they actually took it and used it so but yeah. admin could use it to survey the field and ask them yeah. questions like there's oh, yeah. so many applications for yeah really and truly well that's the it, other thing about survey one two three that's nice is it doesn't i mean yeah in the context of esri it's a it's a gis based application but you don't have to have a gis base i mean no, you just create no, a form all. with this yeah. And, and somebody being, you know, submitting data to it. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it's great. And actually it's, it's an open source deal. It's based on XLS forms. And, and then uh, it's also based on um, something else as well. So yeah, and, it's open and then source. It allows you to not analyze your data in the back end, right? It creates yeah. graphs and everything else yeah. of like whatever data you're collecting. So it, it brings an analytic component to the data. It's not just raw data that you, you just don't know what to do with it. it. It provides that analytic component to it as well. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Absolutely. So anyway, if, if I were to like, and I've said it before, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. If I were to focus on one application to focus on with this whole GIS environment, if you're not a GIS user, but want to get into mapping and want to start data collection of some kind, that's a really good start. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, as we start to wrap up this episode, we, Chris, Pete, and I did watch uh, the plenary today. And to be quite honest, I don't really have much to say about it. <laughs> today was kind of, 
like the afternoon session of, of the typical Monday GIS church in yeah. San Diego. Yeah. And typically the three of us usually skip that and go off into the gas lab district or something. Or the map gallery. Yeah. The map gallery is usually open then and you can just wander around. Yeah, yeah. we usually like show up ahead at a time and try to get our free drinks out of the deal <laughs> and see if we can steal somebody else's stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so. you know, it's it's kind of, and you know, I, I, I admire Esri's altruistic mission to change things. And I, I, I get it. It just didn't, I mean, and I agree with it. It's just, it's also a bit of a snoozer too. Well, I mean, just so the audience knows they were talking about climate and conservation and environmental conservation. They they had this gentleman who went on and on and on from the UN. And again, you know, it's kind of interesting and, you know, I agree with you, Chris. It, it's applaudable that, you know, Esri gets involved with this because I, I do believe climate change is very important. It's just not really my thing. So, you know, yeah. but, you know, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, it, it's, it's cool. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not our passion or interest. So, right. But exactly. It's non GIS people trying to, yeah that that's it i think that's probably i think you're right piece we tend to like i think always try to go to the the conference to pick up nerdy techie public safety stuff and right. and sometimes it, it gets a little bit off the track of um not not technical so yeah yeah like i don't want to hear my fire chief talking about his vision for the fire department we're still going to go on calls and (laughs) put the wet stuff on the hot stuff and take ems runs like nothing's gonna change yeah i'm still employed so i'm gonna keep my mouth shut (laughs) (laughs) and i I still think it's funny i want to watch more of them because i i do think you can watch the the videos of them of the uc central and, and I'm telling you, like, every time I see when they break off to these three people and they're talking about what was just discussed at the plenary, it just reminds me of these sportscasters, like, during halftime, like, analyzing the first half of the, the, the hockey game or the first period of the hockey game or the first half of a basketball game. And <laughs> it's just like, it's like these three people, like, huddling around this table, analyzing what was just said at the plenary. <laughs> But, the third uh, period of the plenary was kind of slow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of huddled in the corner. You know, yeah. Home so. team's not out yet, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I like this. I don't, I don't fault them. It. And it was, it's definitely, but it was. But overall, I mean, they, they, they've really done a great job with this. It, it is. And, and, you know, handed to Esri as far as that partnership with the, with the National Geographic. And it, it's definitely a, a neat collaboration between the, the two and stuff and so i i that, that's pretty neat so well hey so, before so we go Pete, can you give us uh we'll say it's from an unnamed source uh, i was about to say something first of all let me get a, give a shout out though to paul and jared and charlotte from napsy oh yeah for putting on a, a great happy hour last night virtually and the reason why we had to cut short <laughs> yesterday from the podcast oh but, yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but they was, did they did a great job with that yeah we had a good time yeah i kind of screwed up i didn't know how many symbols i drew <laughs> 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 i was like 
Did I do it's that a, many? It's eleven something. Eleven like something hundred. Yeah, eleven hundred. I thought it was nine hundred. Uh. Closer to nine. So it's it just a blur to me. I I, I knew this. The number solid when it was eight oh five, and mm-hmm. then and then uh, that lifeline group kind of threw things off because there was multiple callers. And actually, uh, Charlotte did most of the the heavy lifting on that. I I'm right. I, I'm kind of a wingman for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, was, it was. I was a little bit bummed. I got that wrong. The one-winged plan, but anyway, yeah. yeah. During that, I heard from one of the Esri folks who were name name unnamed. But all the sessions, all the recordings, if you are signed up for the conference, they will be available for your viewing pleasure till September. Yeah. So that is awesome. Yeah. yeah you take is. your time. We were just talking that that before we jumped on that at UC. There's if you miss a class, you've missed it. It's gone, never to be seen again. You, you yeah. might like hear rumors of, oh, that was awesome. But now you can actually sit and at pace after the conference and, and keep going and visit things that you've never considered before. Maybe it's applicable for public safety. Maybe not, but like always, always compare GIS to the Shrek analogy that it's like an onion. The more you peel back, there's more layers and more <laughs> layers. And yeah, yeah there, cool. there is. And we were talking about that yesterday a bit too. I think at the parties, like who knows everything about this stuff? Cause like I, and, and, and part of it, like, I mean, I've gone to this conference for 20, 20 years now. And, and you know, I thought, Oh, cool. We'll pick up everything. And I think at first you can kind of like get an idea of what everything did. There is no absolute, no way, and which makes it kind of nice because, you know, I mean, we've kind of grown up in the public safety GIS thing. So we know how GIS is related to public safety and you know, pizza grew with NG911 and everything else. But if you ask me to do like tree inventory or, or some other spatial statistics or. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Don't even ask me. I, I mean, it's like, but I. I guarantee you that they probably don't know wildland behavior or anything like that. I mean, it's just, there's, and so it's specialized, which is neat because, you know, when I, when I went to school for cartography, that was 30 years ago, it was niche and it was mostly land use and there was no cartography. I mean, the computer technology just made it not usable or that graphics were horrible, but you know, you just do some analysis on various big land things like land use forestry or ag, something like that. And people I did were all academics. Now it's a specialized field with everybody doing their own little thing. And people are knowledge experts on this and stuff, but then they know who to ask to do something else. And so it is kind of a neat environment, but it's also overwhelming because you would like to learn everything and it, you can't. It's just not yeah. possible. So. Well, it's like uh, even, even the people that are dedicated to public safety and fire and law enforcement and such, I remember they came to New York uh, to meet with Steve and I was there as well. I came up to hang out and I think it was Scott Opperman yep. and I forget uh, the other gentleman's name. Oh, Walt. Walt. Yes. Yep. And, and we had mentioned Spanic control and how like when you're responding, you should only like Spanic control is that, yeah, yeah. that beautiful number seven, like three or four to seven, right? Like that's yeah. all you can really take in. And when you're responding, you shouldn't be giving them any more information than that Spanish control, like three, maybe five items that they can focus on for the incident. Mm-hmm. And they had never heard that. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of blew their doors off and, and, but like, 
you have to talk to the people, the boots on the ground sometime and, and uh, really understand what their mission is. And, yeah. and we've all been there. So we, we have both languages. We speak FireEase and GISEs and we can combine them. But lots of people don't have that experience to back up their, their GIS knowledge. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, so, so let's uh, wrap up this episode, and we will be doing day four. And t- tomorrow's the final day, right? Officially, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they're not having like that half day thing on Friday. No, no. I think it's it's mostly SIGs and stuff. But uh, tomorrow, I'm gonna yeah, probably give my kind of viewer analysis. I think there's kind of a trend of campus GIS where you have like GIS at the campus level. And how it relates to some of their things, the, the, my perception of the products with mission and indoors and, and, and some of the other things. So I'll, I'm going to touch more on that tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. So tomorrow will be our uh, final Esri UC 2020 virtual conference wrap up. And what number episode will it be? And that will be episode 20 of Mapping Tech and Public Safety. 20th episode. I guess it's the only public safety GIS podcast out there. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the trivia questions last night on NAPSIG's virtual conference. What is the only public safety GIS podcast? I tweeted that out today, by the way. <laughs> that was cool. So, okay, so cool. thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, like I said, we'll have our final wrap-up tomorrow. And uh, visit us on, I'm sorry, at mapping to- mappingtechandpublicsafety.com. And I'm not sure if we're doing a Zoom meeting tomorrow, unless they are having a some sort of wrap-up session. Or there uh, is a plenary four, I believe. Oh, there is. Okay. There yeah. So we'll probably set up uh, a Zoom meeting, and like I said, if anybody wants to join us, just reach out to us on social media or Slack or our uh, blog page, and we'll be more than happy to invite you and uh, sit in on the plenary with us. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks.